Is America's government bent on purging the armed forces for political reasons? I'm going to read a tweet thread from a U.S. naval officer in its entirety today. Please keep in mind that someone who has served 15 years has made the personal decision to keep serving until at least 20 years the first retirement opportunity for the U.S. military. So to publish these thoughts means the officer has decided it is more important to speak out than to get a lifetime retirement, even though the officer clearly wants to continue to serve. That is compelling and powerful when you think about it. From Twitter user at WhyWherever, quote, I'm a naval officer who's spent the last 15 years on active duty. I'm now potentially facing forcible discharge if I won't submit to taking the COVID vaccine. Here's a thread on just what a scandal that is. All data claims are linked in this thread. Last week, the Army released an exord, that's an execute order, telling its troops to prepare for mandatory vaccination in September. Though he has the authority, it's not likely the president will mandate vaccination without full FDA approval, so look out for that development. From the Army Times, prepare for mandatory COVID vaccines in September. Army tells commands the directive came from an execute order sent to the force by the Department of the Army Headquarters. The Department of Defense, or DOD, will assuredly move as a whole, meaning all branches will require vaccination on the same schedule. I've spoken to two command chaplains regarding religious exemption. I'm a Christian, abortion abolitionist, and cells from aborted children were used in the vaccine's development and am told exemptions won't likely be granted. So my choices are a vaccination and forcible discharge. We're just a few years removed from the military's mandatory anthrax vaccine debacle, and here's hoping the administration remembers what a disaster that was. Numerous service members were harmed by a vaccine they didn't need. Many more had their careers cut short were honorably, were dishonorably discharged, court-martialed, and even imprisoned for the refusal to get the shot. So let's take a look at the rationale behind the forthcoming DOD mandate. By their own accounting, as of two days ago, 202,567 active duty service members have had COVID, of whom 26 have died. Even allowing for the absurdest definition of a COVID fatality, death for whatever reason within 28 days of a positive RT-PCR test run to 40 plus cycles for military personnel, COVID has a better than 99.987% survival rate. Here's the plain truth. COVID-19 is utterly inconsequential to the U.S. military. Don't get me wrong. Our response to it has been anything but inconsequential. We've halted training, destroyed unit cohesion and morale, strapped worthless pieces of cloth over everyone's faces for the last year, and spectacularly destroyed our warfighting readiness in the name of COVID. But the pathogen itself is meaningless. I defy you to find a group of 2 million U.S. adults at lower risk from COVID-19. It doesn't exist. We are overwhelmingly young, fit, and free of comorbidities. 
Compared to other causes of death, COVID isn't even on the radar. Between 2006 and 2021, roughly 400 service members died annually of accidents. 300 committed suicide. More than 200 died of random illnesses and injuries. Over 1,000 service members were killed on motorcycles between 1999 and 2012, yet we still permit their use. Beyond the laughably insignificant threat posed by COVID to the force, consider the aggressively unintelligent plan to expose the entire force to a drug with zero long-term safety data. What if there are short, mid, and long-term negative effects? Who will defend the nation once the entire force is compromised? There's a reason drug trials always contain a control group, yet the political appointees and flagging general officers running our military seem perfectly willing to potentially jeopardize 100% of the force in the name of political agreeability. We do a lot of talking about forceful backup and warrior toughness, but you won't hear a word from that cadre of esteemed yes-men motivated by varying mixtures of a desire to get promoted and a fear of getting fired. For those of you who will respond with, but you've taken plenty of vaccines in the militaries, you're right, I have. And the FDA's multi-year safety data were available for each. Not so for this vaccine. There's a reason we maintain material safety data sheets on all hazardous chemicals on ships. Or would you tell our sailors, you volunteered, now shut up and stick your hand in that acid? I sure hope not. And for those who will invariably respond with, George Washington forced all his troops to be inoculated against smallpox. That's really cute. But be sure to follow it up with, for every one soldier lost to action with the British, 10 died of disease. Offer me an experimental drug for a pathogen that kills 10 times more soldiers than bullets during time of war, and I might have a different reaction. In sum, we've learned to live with countless threats infinitely more serious than COVID, and all without resorting to these extreme measures. COVID, however, is different. This threat until now has merely demonstrated how absurd the argument for mandatory vaccination is. From this point on, I'll explain why I think the argument is being made despite its absurdity. Remember, if you can, the 2020 election. We haven't seen anything as contentious, as unusual in a lifetime. Whatever your politics, I genuinely don't care. The fact remains that roughly half the electorate is convinced that something fishy happened around November 3rd. Whether you believe the theories around ballot manipulation, burst pipes in Atlanta, etc., the interference in elections by several state governors, governors and subsequent top cover from various wings of the judiciary are matters of fact, not opinion. The Constitution clearly states that state legislatures wield authority in conducting elections. Still, Governors in numerous key states appropriated this authority to themselves, mailing unsolicited ballots, extending deadlines, suspending or weakening signature verification, etc. Various courts nearly universally permitted these usurpations. Reasoning that if everyone is sufficiently scared of the virus, 
the Constitution can be disregarded. Why do I mention the election? Is it sour grapes over who won the White House? Not a chance. I've served under four presidents, and I don't much care who's in the Oval Office. Given the chance, I'll serve under a couple more, whoever they are. One of America's great marvels is the constancy of its military, no matter which party is in power. I mentioned the 2020 election because it, it and COVID policy are inextricably intertwined. Despite the glaring unconstitutionality of what happened during the election, if enough of the populace are convinced that the situation really was dire enough to warrant suspending the Constitution without actually saying so, then what happened during the election can be permitted. This position, however, cannot withstand dissent. It requires absolute fealty, particularly from the armed forces. And how do you prove your allegiance to this negative or narrative? By rolling up your sleeve. You'd have to be genuinely convinced of the existential threat posed by this virus to volunteer for an experimental vaccine for which no one, not the pharmaceutical giants nor the government mandating its acceptance, is liable in case things go wrong. That's real faith, folks. Failure to volunteer for vaccination, to say nothing of refusal of mandated vaccination, is a sort of rebellion that cannot be tolerated. Those who question the reality of the COVID apocalypse are dangerous insider threats who must be purged from the ranks. Consider that a great majority of those resistant to vaccination are Republicans. Mandating vaccination is an admittedly brilliant strategy for purging them from the force, all in the name of public health. Rather than calling them what they really are, ideological threats, they can be removed on the grounds that they are biological threats. Here's reporting on the political disparity on vaccinations from Voice of America, a government-funded news organization. Quote, a Washington Post ABC News poll has found a startling difference between Democrats and Republicans as it relates to COVID-19 vaccination. The poll found that while 86% of Democrats have received at least one vaccine shot, only 45% of Republicans. In addition, the survey found that while only 6% of Democrats said they would probably decline the vaccine, 47% of Republicans said they would probably not be inoculated. The poll also found that 60% of Americans that are unvaccinated believe the U.S. is exaggerating the dangers of the COVID-19 Delta variant, while 18% of the unvaccinated say the government is just accurately describing the variant's risks. The rest of COVID policy, too, is tied to the acceptance of the official narrative. That is, if COVID really wasn't the world-ending catastrophe it was made out to be, several of the highest-ranking public officials would have to answer for the effects of their edicts. Economic disaster, unemployment, spikes in suicides, increases in crime rates, domestic violence, substance abuse, etc. All can be forgiven if COVID was worse. If it wasn't, however, people have blood on their hands. And that's a conversation they would rather not have, folks. In the end, I'm just a guy who wants to keep serving his nation, providing for his family, contributing to his community, and minding his own business. I know a lot of people say this, but 
Those who've worn the uniform know it to be true. It really is an honor to serve all of you. For the last 15 years, I've sacrificed or risked my comfort, my safety, and my life on a handful of oceans and in various sandy spots to support the, and defend the Constitution and ensure the welfare of people who will retweet this and despise it alike. Whichever you choose, it's why I put the uniform on every day. Here's hoping I get to keep doing it so you get to keep doing it. That is a very compelling article about why we shouldn't be forcing the United States Armed Forces and the underpinnings of why we are going to try to force the Armed Forces to get the COVID vaccine. There's been lots of responses. They, they, they run the spectrum uh, against this naval, uh, for and against this naval officer's tweet, uh, but it's pretty disparaging and disappointing to see fellow service members, or so they say they are, it's hard to tell if they're not verified on Twitter and other social media, uh, uh, really uh, disparaging this person and this officer for standing up for what they believe is right for them and their family and really what's right for the armed forces. Let's hope that this decision process continues to go forward and the right decisions are done for non-political reasons as opposed to the wrong decisions that are coming for political reasons if we don't change our mind.